This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So now he goes forward and he says, I send you, behold, I send you forth as sheep. He says, as sheep in the midst of wolves. It's scary. It's scary, a sheep in the midst of wolves. It's frightening, a sheep in the midst of wolves. Had it not be for the fact that that's what the Lord was. When he was introduced in John 1.29 by John the Baptist, first time, it says, that's a sheep. Behold, the Lamb of God, John 1.29, which takes away the sin of the world. He's the sin-removing lamb there. But it says in Isaiah 53.7, Isaiah 57, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He's the sacrificial lamb. And he's also the lamb, which is in Revelation 17, 14. Revelation 17, 14. These shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and king of kings. So he's the overcoming lamb. He's the sin-removing lamb. He's the sacrificial lamb. He's the overcoming lamb. And that means that when he sends us out, he's sending us out as, he says, I send you forth as sheep. But in Luke 10.3, Luke 10.3, it says, I send you as lambs among wolves. He's 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 the lamb that goes in front, and he sends us out as well. And as we go forward as lamb among wolves, we become closer to him because he was the lamb among the wolves. When we go forward as the light in the world, as lights in the world, we get closer to him. Why? Because of John 8, 12. John 8, 12, where he said, I am the light of the world. And Matthew 5, 14. Matthew 5, 14, where he said, ye are the light of the world. So as we carry the light, As he carried the light, we get closer to him. Now, he wants that there's gonna be no question about what they're gonna face. So before they get 
into all this persecution and opposition, he says in verse 16, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's a big warning that he's telling him there. He says, he says, get prepared. And there's one word that's not apparent in any of the, that doesn't appear in any of these verses, the word if. He said, if you were scourged. No, he said, they will scourge you. If this, no, it's gonna happen. There's going to be rejection. He already told them in verse 14 that there was going to be rejection of their person and rejection of their word, which is gonna be a persecution. Now, verse 16 is going on, not just to uh, rejection, but to actual physical harm. And so what we have to see here in verse 16 is the connection with verse six. Connection with verse six. Verse six says, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then it says in verse 16, I send you forth to, as sheep in the midst of wolves. So they're being warned. They're being warned that when they go to Israel with God's message, they should expect a strong opposition. And that's why he says, behold, behold. In other words, it's so important that when they come to the, to the Jewish cities there, not go to the Gentile cities, not go to the Samaritan cities, that they're gonna be walking right into the eye of the storm. They need to know that. They're gonna walk right into the eye of the storm, and he's telling them that, and so he starts off, behold, behold. He really wants this message to get in. He wants this message to get to them. You know, there was another point where he was talking about the fact that he was going to die, he was gonna be delivered into the hands of sinners. He told them that in advance of that happening, and he wanted that message to get in, so the way he couched that message was in Luke 9.44, Luke 9.44, where he said, let these sayings sink down into your ears. <laughs> That's pretty graphic. He said, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. Now. He didn't want them just to take that statement lightly and say to themselves, yeah, well, he's gonna be delivered into the hands of men. No, he, he, he said, let it sink down into your ears. Don't just let that message hang around the outside of your ears, but let it really get in to the point where, don't just say, well, I heard him, I understand what he said. No, no, he says, when it sinks down deep into the ears, it means that mull on it, think about it, ask questions about it, why? is he gonna let himself be delivered into the hands of sinners? Why would God in the flesh permit sinful men to harm him? And in the same way here, just as he wanted that to sink deep into their ears, he wants this to sink deep into their ears. Behold, I send you forth, in verse 16, into the, in the midst of wolves. He wants that to really to sink in and to ask questions, why? why? Well, first of all, why are there gonna be wolves? Why would he send us into the midst of the wolves. All these questions he wants to do, because it's not just that they're gonna face disagreement, you know, it's not just that people don't agree with you. We're talking about sheep in the midst of wolves, sheep in the midst of wolves. He's bringing out that there's the hatred, the strong hatred. He talked about that in John 15, 25, John 15, 25, quoting from the Old Testament, where he said, this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. Hatred without a cause. There was no reason for him to be hated like he was, but they, they did. And it's so ironic, it's so surprising that the Jewish people should do this because they have been the brunt of hatred without a cause. As a matter of fact, 
There's a term that's used in the Old Testament to describe this irrational anti-Semitism, this irrational hatred of the Jewish people, and God calls it, in the case of the Philistines, who for such a long period of time hated the Jewish people, God called it the old hatred, the old hatred in Ezekiel 25, 15. Ezekiel 25, 15. Thus saith the Lord God, because the Philistines have dealt by revenge and have taken vengeance with a despiteful heart to destroy it for the old hatred. It's the old hatred. By calling their opponents wolves, what he's saying in essence, he's just laying the groundwork here for where he's gonna come out in verse 22 of this chapter, verse 22, and he's gonna reemphasize when he said, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Just the name, just the name of Jesus elicits this hatred. It says in John 15, 18, John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And he says, they hated me without a cause. Well, I guess you could say there was a cause because in John 15, 24, John 15, 24, he said, if I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not sinned. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. So the reason, well, you won't say the reason, but it, they would say that we hate him because he's put the spotlight on our sin. Now that should have been a good thing for them. They should have said, okay, let's take care of that. Let's deal with that. We got a problem. But instead, their response was hatred. So the movement here in, in verse 16 is really sheep in the midst of wolves moving from I send you, I send you. And that's a very, very, very assuring thing for them. They were sent. So when they experienced, it was all designed so that when they experienced this hatred, when they experienced this, this, this persecution against them, that they would say, he sent me. He sent me here. I'm where he sent me. I didn't put myself here. I'm here by his appointment. This is what he wants. And because he sent me here in the midst of wolves, he will take care of me. I'm his prized possession. He will care for me. He will protect me. Verse 16, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. He's telling them that when he says that, sheep in the midst of wolves, in yourself you are defenseless. You have about as much defense as a sheep does in the midst of wolves. He doesn't. The only thing he does is he can cry out. And so he's telling them that when trouble comes, which it will come, that it's not without him knowing about it. He warned them. It's not because it was not so that they would be shocked. I'm shocked, I'm overwhelmed because this trouble has come. No, it says they should expect it. He's telling this so that they can expect it. It reminds me of the time when I saw this documentary and it was uh, World War II and it was, um, it was a documentary where the Nazis had taken motion pictures of the men that they were capturing in the French resistance. So they would go into these, they had this footage, it was all staged by the Nazis and they, would, they knew that there was a French resistance man in this house and they had the cameras all set up and they, they go into the house, they catch him by surprise, they bring him out and as they bring him out, then the cameras get right in the face of the French resistance man as they line him up on the wall outside and shoot him dead. And what was so interesting about that, those films and of course, the reason the Nazis did that, so that they were trying to scare the rest of the French population, this is what's gonna happen to you if you, if you do this. 
And that's, that was their whole purpose there. That was their strategy. But what was so interesting about this, this, these Nazi films was that when they went right up into the face of the French resistance man, the freedom fighter, before he was killed, and the expression on their face, it wasn't an expression of terror and shock and being overwhelmed with surprise. It was an expression of, I expected this. I was expecting this to happen. And it was so moving, I think, in essence, it kind of backfired on them because they, they really, you really admired these French resistance fighters, these freedom fighters, because you could just see resolve on their face. They were prepared, they knew this was coming, and, and they weren't shocked or overwhelmed. Kind of what the Lord is doing here in verses 16 through 18, he's preparing the apostles for this persecution that's gonna come. And because he's saying, you're gonna end up a sheep in the midst of wolves, he's emphasizing, don't be shocked when this happens. And just remember that the sheep have only one protection and it's not themselves, it's the shepherd. It's the shepherd who guards the sheep. It's the shepherd who protects the sheep. It's the shepherd who's going against the wolf. That's what the shepherd does. And so he's telling them this so that they're getting in the right mind frame to realize what he's telling them later, what he'll tell them in John 15, 4, John 15, 4, when he says to them, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So he's saying abide, abide. Don't go far from the shepherd. The sheep should not go far from the shepherd because the sheep are, are absolutely defenseless. Now, he chooses the sheep. The sheep are, he chooses the sheep, I guess you should say, as, as an example of the animal, of all the animal realm that he could choose. He, he chooses the sheep. He says, we're like the sheep. It chose the, like the goats, the goats. The goats cause trouble. Goats cause a lot of trouble. The sheep cause trouble too, but they're stupid. They don't know they're causing trouble. The goats cause trouble. They're smart. They know they're causing trouble, but the sheep doesn't know. And the sheep is, um, the sheep is an unusual animal. I mean, the sheep is really uh, kind of made to be a domesticated animal. You know, sheep don't do, except for the longhorn sheep, they, they really don't do very well out in the, in the wild. Goats, they're different. But the, the sheep, they're created to be guided. They're created to be herded. They're created to be protected. And so he, he, he calls a sheep. And you kind of sit back and you say to yourself, why would the Lord send us out as sheep in the midst of wolves? Now, why does he do that? I mean, verse six, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and, and as they do that, he's telling them, you're going as sheep in the midst of wolves. And so what he's really saying here is that you as saved sheep are being sent out to rescue lost sheep. And the lost sheep are in the midst of wolves and that's why you are going to be sent to in the midst of wolves. Now, you know, it's a whole lot easier in life for a sheep not to have to go into the midst of wolves. It's a whole lot less stressful. So life would be a whole lot easier for us to not spend our lives in search for lost souls, to bring them out to be saved by the Lord Jesus. But the issue is, that's not what the shepherd wants. The shepherd wants, and that's the reason why the sheep are being sent into the midst of the wolves. The shepherd wants to go, go find those lost sheep of the house of Israel, and they're in the midst of wolves. So, he said, now, 
It's interesting in verse 16 that he doesn't say that I'm sending you to the wolves, in other words, to be destroyed. He says, I'm sending you in the midst of wolves. And so he's warning them to be on their guard and what's gonna follow here are gonna be certain instructions. For example, it's just like in essence, it's just like a general telling his troops, I'm sending you behind enemy lines. I'm gonna send you behind enemy lines. And so now, here's the special instructions of what you're gonna need to, uh, how you're gonna need to operate behind enemy lines. And so he tells in verse 16, he says, behold, I send you forth the sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So he tells them, he says, you gotta be like snakes, or snakes, and doves, but not in all the aspects like a snake or like a dove. So he says, you need the wisdom of the snakes, the wisdom of the snakes. You need the wisdom of the snakes, you need the harmlessness of the doves. He says, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He's telling them that they have to become, when it says be ye therefore, he's saying you must become wise as servants, harmless as doves. And so, in other words, he's saying, look disciples, look learners, learn how to become wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Just like he said in Mark 1.17, just like he said in Mark 1.17, uh, the same ones, Jesus said unto them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. They were fishers of fish in the sea, but he said, I will make you to become fishers of men. In essence, he's saying, I will gonna make you to become wise as serpents and, and harmless as doves. Such opposite animals, the, the snake and the dove. But he says, but it's so amazing that here he, as the great creator, he made the serpent, he made the snakes, he made the doves, and this is the animals that he's calling out to teach us. I mean, we look at a snake, and we look at a mosquito, and we say, there must be some mistake. Shouldn't make those, <laughs> shouldn't have made those animals. But there isn't, because all the creatures were made by the Lord Jesus with a purpose in mind. And so to illustrate something, even the mosquito. As a matter of fact, the first reference to the snake, of course, you know, is in Garden of Eden, chapter three of Genesis, in Genesis chapter three. And you think, oh, the first thing that it says about the snake was that he deceived Eve. Actually, that's not the first thing it says about the snake. What it says in Genesis 3, 1, it says, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So he incorporated this subtleness. And the, it's very interesting that the Hebrew word for subtle there is the word arum, arum. And it's used 11 times in the Bible. That word arum is used 11 times in the Bible. One of them is the first one is in Genesis 3, 1. And of those 11 times, eight of those times is in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. And it's really, it's a, it's a good quality that's described in the book of Proverbs. In fact, the first time it's used there in Proverbs 12, 16, Proverbs 12, 16, in the book of Proverbs, it says, it's, the word is prudent. In fact, all of the uh, 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 words that are used for arum in the book of Proverbs are the word prudent. And in Proverbs 12, 16, it says, a prudent man covereth shame. A prudent man covereth shame. That's the word arum. An arum man covereth shame. I can't read something like that without thinking of, of a man in Japan named Nozomi. 
Now, Nozomi became a believer. It's unusual for a man to become a believer, but Nozomi became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And one evening in a church service, Sunday evening church service in Nada, they had a time there for testimonies. And so he got up during the testimony time and he told the congregation that he had a secret that he had been keeping all of his life and he never revealed the secret, but that was gonna be the night. That Sunday night in that testimony service in Nada, he, he said that was gonna be the night that he was gonna tell, he was gonna make public his secret. And Nozomi then explained that when he was a little boy, when Nozomi was a little boy and his mother took him to school for the very first day of school, and typically it's a very dramatic day in Japan, a lot of tears, the mothers are crying, the Japanese kids are all, they all look the same, they all dress in their uniforms and they have these humongous backpacks on the back of them for all their books and their papers and pencils and so forth. It looks like the little kids look like they're gonna fall backwards so they were wearing these things. And like I said, the mothers are typically crying. They bring them to school. The kids are very nervous. And so on this first day of school for Nozomi, all the kids were sitting in a circle and the teacher was there in the middle. And next to Nozomi was this little girl. And so the teacher was introducing herself to the class when all of a sudden Nozomi jumped up out of his seat and he ran outside and he got, came back into the room with a bucket of water and he dumped it all over the girl next to him. <laughs> so she said, so the poor little girl's all drenched in water. The teacher's shocked. The, the students can't believe their eyes. And then he sat down. And so right away, the teacher begins to strongly question Nozomi, why did he do that? And he just sits there silent, he refuses to answer. And for the whole school year, Nozomi was taunted, he was jeered by his students there for what he did when he drenched that little girl with water. But he just took it and he never told anyone why he did it. Well, what happened was that Nozomi was a star student and he rose in achievement there during that school year to the point where he became the best student of the year. He got the so-called Ichiban Award, the first place award for his class. And it was at that time when the teacher pulled Nozomi off privately and said to him, Nozomi, uh, today you're going to receive the first place award for your class and you've been just a model student, but there's something that has been bothering me all year long and it's what you did on that first day of school when you dumped water all over that little girl. And so I promise you, Nozomi, his teacher said, I promise you, Nozomi, that if you just tell me why you did that, that I'll keep it a secret and I won't tell anyone. And so Nozomi agreed. And he told her the secret that he was telling to the church that night. And the secret was, he said, you know, on the first day of school, he said, all of us were very nervous. All of us kids were very, very nervous. And the little girl next to me, she was so nervous that she lost control and she urinated. And urine was a puddle of water in front of her and everybody could see it. And I knew that if all the other students saw that, that she would be shamed for the whole school year. Now, she was the baby that wasn't, gonna be, that wasn't ready to go to school. And I didn't want her to be shamed. So the only solution was to make her all wet with water and no one would see her urine. Then the teacher said, but Nozomi, you, you suffered all year long because of what you did, that little girl. And then he said, yes, he said, I could but she could not. Nozomi is the example of prudency from Proverbs 12, 16. A prudent man covereth shame. 
He covered the shame of that little girl who lost control. He covered the shame. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.